Hello, and welcome to Serene Reflections, a podcast of Dharma Talks from the Wallawa Buddhist Temple. I am Rev. Clarissa Beattie, a Zen monk and Buddhist priest from the mountains of Northeast Oregon, where we practice contemplative meditation, the Chan of Bodhidharma, the Zen of Dogen, the Serene Reflection Meditation of Rev. Master G.U. Kennett. You are invited to let yourself grow naturally still, to let go of the world for a while. Join us in listening in sound, in listening in stillness, turning within to listen from the heart that seeks the way. To be comfortable hearing or talking about funerals and memorials, it helps to have come to terms with the inevitability of death, one's own and that of others, to some degree at least. Often we are uncomfortable on the topic of funerals or at funerals. Understandably so, for the problem of birth and death is a matter of life and death itself. And still, with care, we find that we can do that which makes us uneasy when it is good to do. We find that when we can manage it, opening in this direction can help to clarify for us what truly matters in life. That said, if at the moment you are just too uneasy contemplating matters of death and funerals, Please know that I will be speaking openly in this talk about the Buddhist ceremony for the dead. And you may wish not to listen at this time, and that's just fine. Please trust yourself in this. Perhaps there's something else you'd like to do, or maybe it would be good to turn within and meditate during this time when you had planned to listen to a Dharma talk. If so, this would be the moment just to bow and turn off the recording. I knew a man, a good man, who, in his 80s, wouldn't go to funerals or memorials or celebrations of life. Just quit going, because as he aged, 
it got to be too much to bear for him to sit there at the funerals of friends and relations. And that can be a compassionate and wise choice. He found his own ways of paying tribute in solitude to those whose passing had affected him deeply. Thinking of him, it occurs to me also that in making the choice not to go pay my respects at a collective event, I might be turning away from the opportunity to learn and to offer whatever may await me there at that group occasion, to be learned and offered. And whether I realize it or not, I may be choosing instead the opportunity of what may be learned and offered by not attending. Then, too, I think of my grandmother, who, in her 90s, said she wasn't really interested in going to funerals anymore, though she could have. She said, Honey, everyone I knew has already died. She had spent decades attending these kinds of send-offs for her friends. She was turning to face the work of her own death as it drew near. So, with all that in mind, let's have a look together at what can unfold during the Buddhist funeral or memorial. It is above all the formal expression of our recognition of the sacred or Buddha nature in the person who has died. Written into the instructions for the Buddhist funeral ceremony, there is no judgment, no reckoning, no untruth. Simply, each of us has the Buddha nature, neither more nor less than anyone else, and in the Buddhist funeral this is acknowledged and pointed towards, clearly, free of platitudes. A Buddhist funeral ceremony is offered if the person wishes one. It may be private or public. In the full, traditional Buddhist funeral, if the body of the person is present, they are clothed all in white. The one who has died is offered symbolic ordination. That is, they are helped to let go of their earthly ties and embrace the world beyond birth and death. They are offered the precepts, and those in attendance may recite these along with them to help them on their way. Their head may be shaved literally or symbolically according to their wishes, and they may be given their religious name. Protection is invoked from the Buddhas and ancestors, to look after and guide them. If the person's ashes are present, they may be placed on the altar. With or without their ashes, a portrait of the one who has died may be displayed prominently upon the altar 
or placed in the arms of the Buddha statue on the altar, and then the service is done with the same intention as if their body were present. A small wooden memorial tablet is also prepared for the altar with their name and their birth and death dates. Often, a paper booklet is also made up with the order of ceremony and perhaps a photo and verses for those who attend to keep in remembrance if they wish. Because of the great compassion in the Buddha's teaching, the Dharma leaves plenty of space for the truth of each being to express itself within the form of the Buddhist funeral. There is a basic form, and there's room for what may be good to do for each being and those who surround them, in the language and culture of which they are a part. It is a tribute to their life, and a help for them going on into death. Like other Buddhist services, the ceremony consists not only of the actual funeral, but also our preparations for it, and what takes place within all participants, and what follows after the event itself. With care, we prepare the person's favorite food, incense, water, light, flowers, tea, and cakes, and we place these reverently on the altar and recite scriptures. The merit of our offerings is offered for the benefit of the one who has died and for all beings. If you have attended any Buddhist ceremony, you will likely find the Buddhist funeral familiar. The precepts given are the same. The offering of merit is the same. The activity within stillness and stillness within activity is the same. The same scriptures are recited, and recognition and acceptance are offered wholeheartedly. The being who has died is seen as the Buddha of that day, and our respect is given to them. This recognition is what is at the root of the movement of the heart which opens to go pay our respects when we hear of a friend who has died. We pay respects in many, many ways. In most deaths which touch us, we participate in some way in seeing them off as if on a journey. There arises a very natural intention to be of help. Whatever our circumstances, when we die, we are not alone. We are all immersed in the waveless sea of existence. Whether we are presently aware of it or not, we are not separate from the waters of the great ocean. When a being dies, whether we knew them well or not, whether they were human or not, 
around the time of their death, we may see clearly revealed the distillation of their life. The essence of their unique function which they offered in their very being. How may I open to seeing this? If I do not see it now, perhaps their life's offering may clarify for me at a later time when I am ready. In the ceremonial offertory, which may be recited at the Buddhist memorial, the precentor sings, Let us pray that we may all ascend the brilliant altar and realize the truth. This wish is given voice by the precentor on behalf of themselves, the newly dead, all present, and all beings, including those who are unable to attend. This wish is, after all, the deepest yearning of the heart. That we may all ascend the brilliant altar and realize the truth. The brilliant altar is the spiritual mountain which each of us must climb deep within our heart and mind throughout life. To realize the truth is to become one with our true nature. This may occur during this lifetime or perhaps through our death. This wish is expressed here in Buddhist terms, but this longing is not exclusive to Buddhism. Some would say it's the mystical process of becoming one, perhaps even becoming one with God. Because of the Buddha's example of his own awakening, Buddhists sometimes refer to this as the wish for becoming one with everything, an expression which makes a lot of sense in a practice which recognizes all beings as having inherent Buddha nature. This wish to become at one is central on the spiritual path which all beings journey throughout each life. Most of us know the date of our birth. Very few of us know the date of our own death, and even when we think we might know that, it cannot be confirmed for certain until we are beyond it. Yet these two dates become the bookends which tally up the span of our lifetime and are marked by our name on our memorial stone or tablet. And the yearly return of our death date becomes the one that continues to recall us to the living. These two opposites birth and death, beyond which we may go at any moment of life and death.
In the offertory for the simplest Buddhist memorial ceremony which may be performed on the yearly anniversary of a death, the precentor sings, When we are one with enlightenment, we know that there is complete immaculacy and universal light. Utter quietness embraces the sky. When we return to the world, we know that everything is as a dream. Let us pray that the three treasures of the Dharma may be always watching clearly. There is no magic formula in the Buddhist ceremonies for the dead or in the ceremonial for any other purpose, for that matter. Ceremonies are simply the expression of our heart's wish for the good of all beings. They are the showing of the compassionate heart of being, which we all share. Ceremonies are done when it's good to do them, when it helps beings. If for whatever reason a ceremony is not done, it means only that the heart may show itself without embellishment in the great ceremony of being. Around a death, as it is around a birth, many emotions, memories, thoughts, and issues can arise. Regrets and old business can arise. Past karma can arise. Because of this, when someone is dying, or has just died, or is being memorialized or remembered, it's a compassionate offering for all concerned to try to be gentle and respectful without being fearful, much as we would around a newborn baby. This is so not only toward the dying or dead person, but also toward ourselves and others who remain. The old adage about not speaking ill of the dead is a good one. This is not only true when speaking about those who have died, it's a precept. Do not speak against others. This isn't to say we should make up untruths about the person who has died. It's another precept to not say that which is untrue. But because of how feelings can run high at the time of death, it's wise to take care not to say or do things we may later regret. Death is a crossroads for the one who dies. It's also transformative for all those around them. At such times, it's as if we all stand on a threshold together, and a veil lifts, and truth is revealed, and one of us takes the next step into the unknown, into eternity, into the great ocean. One day, 
that next step will be before me, as it will for all. I wonder, what might that make possible? The ones who remain while one takes the next step may catch a glimmer revealed of pure Buddha nature itself, of that which awaits us too one day, waits and waits for us, beyond birth and death, even now with great love. The Buddhist funeral ceremony is the encapsulation of this teaching. What an opportunity. What a gift a glimpse of Buddha can offer us, each for ourselves and each one with each other. Thank you for joining us in listening to Serene Reflections from the Heart That Seeks the Way. To learn more about this practice, including more about how to meditate, you are invited to visit our website at walawabuddhisttemple.org. Here, in the Kanzayan Shrine of our Meditation Hall, we offer the merit of our practice of serene reflection meditation to all beings including you, wherever you may be.